the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. R.N.D. W.T.P.N. Pinellas Park. In chapter 2, verse 5, he started out by giving the example of Christ. Have this attitude of this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to speak of the great humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great, humble service that Christ gave his life for us. Now, the Philippians may have looked at this example and reasoned that, well, Jesus is God. We're just men. Of course he's going to be humble. He's God. He can't do anything else. He never sins. How can we ever be humble servants like him? Sometimes we see an example so perfect that we say, I could never even come close to that, so why should I even try? That can be the case with the example of humility that Christ set for us. But as we continue today to delve into the truths of Philippians chapter 2, we will see that the Apostle Paul took that possibility into consideration. Jesus was not the only example of servanthood. Now today on Verse by Verse, we will consider other people who demonstrated that same attitude. And I think we may be able to more closely identify with them. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us one verse at a time through the second chapter of Philippians. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His expository or verse-by-verse messages come to your radio through the work of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. The Bible teaches us a great deal through telling the stories of various people down through the ages. Some of them are people we would like to emulate, some are not. My mother used to tell me, you're supposed to set an example, not be one. Obviously, the Lord Jesus set the perfect example. But Pastor Steve has some other people to tell us about today, and I think we will find great encouragement in their examples. If you have your Bible ready, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Here is Pastor Steve. Have you ever had the experience of reading about certain people in the Bible that you just don't feel comfortable with. You have a hard time relating to them. You have a difficulty identifying with them. I mean, you read about them and they just seem that they're at a spiritual level to the point at such a level that you feel like not only aren't you in the same ballpark, you're not even in the same league. I have trouble identifying with some of the giants of the faith. I can learn from them, but quite frankly, I have trouble identifying with them. For instance, Moses. Moses, highly educated, maybe you didn't realize that, but he was trained in the courts of Pharaoh. We believe that would be in the city of Thebes, which was the capital of Egypt at that time. Understood many languages, understood different cultures, understood the Hebrew culture, understood the Egyptian culture, spent years out in the wilderness in the Midianite culture. Moses, the lawgiver, the one who received the law. Deuteronomy 34 says there's never been a prophet in Israel like Moses. I have a hard time relating to Moses. I can learn from him, but I'm nothing like Moses in terms of those qualities. 
Then there's Joshua, who succeeded Moses, great general, great administrator, military strategist. I have a hard time identifying with Joshua. Then there's David. And I'm just highlighting certain Old Testament characters. There's David, sensitive, a poet, writer of songs, a shepherd, a king, a warrior. I have some trouble identifying with David. Now, I can identify with his heartaches. But as far as the, the person of David, sometimes that's, that's difficult. And then there's Elijah, one of the great prophets, bold, confrontative, prophet of fire. Great prophet. I, I have trouble identifying with Elijah in spite of the fact that James says he was a man just like us. In Philippians chapter 2, and you should turn there, Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul mentions some other people. And these people serve as, are supposed to serve as models for us of humble service. Uh, Paul lifts up certain individuals who are to be to us examples that we are to relate to concerning humble service service. And yet, I believe the apostle recognizes that some of these examples may be difficult for the Philippian church and for us to identify with. And that's why he gives more than one. In chapter 2, verse 5, he started out by giving the example of Christ. Have this attitude of this mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to speak of the great humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great, humble, uh, service that Christ gave his life for us. Now, the Philippians may have looked at this example and reasoned that, oh, Jesus is God. We're just men. Of course he's going to be humble. He's God. He can't do anything else. He never sins. How can we ever be humble servants like him? Now, they may have thought that way. And so Paul went on and gave himself as an example. Chapter 2, verse 17, he says, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you. Paul says, I'm like a, an Old Testament drink offering. Uh, right on top of the animal being sacrificed, they've, it's, they've poured out wine. He said, I'm like that. I've been poured out on the sacrifice of your sacrifice. Well, the Philippians may have concluded by that. Well, of course you're going to be humble. Of course you're going to be sacrificial. You're an apostle. What else is an apostle supposed to do? You're one who's received divine revelation. You've been schooled by Jesus Christ himself out in the Arabian desert. Of course you're going to be like that. In light of your privileges, could you be anything other than faithful and uh, uh, humble servants? Now, they may have reasoned that way. Paul gives, in verses 19 through 21, still another example of a humble servant, and that's Timothy. He writes, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. You say, well, what problem would they have with Timothy? Well, they may have reasoned like this. Timothy is so gifted, and they knew Timothy, and he was gifted. All you have to do is read First and Second Timothy and realize that he may have been sensitive, he may have been tenderhearted, but he was extremely gifted. He was Paul's special son in the faith, unique. He was an apostolic representative. I don't believe that Timothy was a pastor. I think he was an apostolic representative, a unique uh, kind of an individual. 
He was an ordained leader in the sense that he was appointed. The Bible says that the elders laid hands on him. He was recognized as a man of God. What else can you expect from someone like him? Privileged beyond others to be associated with Paul, to be so gifted, to be his representative, to be recognized by the elders of his of his home church. Now, I, I understand, in a sense, where Paul is coming from. Because pastors, in a similar way, face some problems in identifying with people, and I can assure you of that. People sometimes assume that, uh, well, a pastor, he's, he's, he's got to be a servant. We pay him for that. He's professional clergy. What else can he do but be obedient and serve? He's paid to serve others. And so sometimes uh, there are problems that people have in identifying with the pastor as an example. Now, he used to be an example, but sometimes they just don't consider him one of them. I think that's what Paul was dealing with. I think he thought the Philippians would look at these examples, and while they could learn from them and certainly should respond to them, they might have concluded by saying, well, you know, none of these men you mention up to this point, Paul, are one of us. However, if one of them, not a leader, not someone who was a paid staff member, not an exceptionally gifted individual, were to be a humble example and a humble servant, then he, that would speak volumes to them. They could really identify with someone like that if there was someone like that available. If Paul were to have a man like that, I think that would really register, perhaps more so than any other person that he's presented up to this point. They might get the message of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, which I think is the heart of this whole chapter. If you look at it, you'll see what I mean. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And going back, as we've done many, many weeks, to the other uh, verses in this epistle, it appears that the Philippians had somewhat of a problem with, with division and disunity in the church. And so Paul has, has told them that you need to be interested in other people's agenda, not your own opinions. I don't know, maybe they had rough business meetings. I don't know. I don't know exactly what went on, but there was apparently some problem there. And if Paul could find somebody who was just like them, who they could relate to, this really might hit home. Well, he does have somebody. He does have a man who the Philippians can identify with. In fact, they all know him. He's one of them. He's a member of their congregation. His name is Epaphroditus. We don't know anything about him except what we learn from this letter. He's a nobody. He's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible except Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30, and one other reference in Philippians chapter 4. We will start getting better acquainted with Epaphroditus in a few moments. Let's pause briefly first to welcome those who just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I will let him tell you more about it. 
Hi, this is Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse Radio. I want to take a few minutes to let you know how pleased I am that you're listening to this ministry. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they can be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify Him. And from what we're hearing, that's what's happening in the lives of those who are listening. One of the great desires of my heart is to make the Word of God clear so that people can understand what God means by what He says. And basically, Based on the input that we're getting from our listeners, that's exactly what's being accomplished. Now, as a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. We appreciate it, and we do need it. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please prayerfully consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax-deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Once again, Thanks. Thanks for giving to this ministry and for supporting it. And may the Lord richly bless you, strengthen you as you listen to him speak through his word verse by verse. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Let's see what we can learn about this little-known Bible character, Epaphroditus. So let's read this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. I introduce you to Epaphroditus, a member of the church of Philippi, who is with the Apostle Paul at this point. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Therefore, receive him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to the death uh, to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Epaphroditus, as I mentioned a few moments ago, is a relatively unknown man. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He never founded a church, never wrote a book in the Bible. We're, we don't even know if he held an office in the church at Philippi. It's possible he could have been uh, an elder. He could have been a deacon. We don't know that. And as I told you before, he's only mentioned once in the Bible, in one letter, I should say. He's mentioned here and then in chapter 4, verse 18. You might as well see that. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He was a member of the church at Philippi who volunteered to travel to Rome from the city of Philippi, which was a good distance. It wasn't next door. And to bring Paul a monetary love gift from the church at Philippi. That's, that's who he is. He volunteered for this to take uh, care of not only bring the gift, but he was to stay there in Rome and minister to the Apostle Paul, take care of his needs. Now, you remember 
that Paul was under house arrest. At this point, he's not in a dungeon. He will be later in a few years down the road. And that's the background of first and well of, of first and second Timothy, actually second Timothy. But at this point, he's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman uh, guard 24 hours a day. He needed someone to buy his necessities, to take care of his physical needs, to help him in his tasks, provide for his needs, take care of his clothing, look after him when he was sick. He, he really, in a sense, needed a nurse. You don't think Rome is going to provide this. You don't think hospitalization is going to take care of this. No, I need somebody there. And Epaphroditus volunteers to take care of the great Apostle Paul and whatever needs he might have. Paul didn't say to the Romans, he, he couldn't say, you know, Thursday, it's my day to go shopping. You got to go. Oh, you didn't do that. So Epaphroditus comes on the scene and he volunteers to take all, all of these mundane things that Paul needed taken care of. And one reason that Paul mentions him in, in chapter two is because he's an example of what Paul is trying to communicate to all the Philippians. And what he is saying, and the message of this basically is, I want to put Epaphroditus before you as an example of what I want all of you to be. If you could all be like Epaphroditus, then we'll have harmony in the church, and you won't have disunity problems, and you get along, and even if you disagree on things, you'll still have a sweet spirit. And here's the man who's an example of servanthood. And so last week we looked at some of the marks or essentials of servanthood. This week it's, it's part two, and we're going to look at more essentials of what being a servant is all about. This is the mind of Christ. This is the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Three essential marks of a servant. A servant is marked by commitment to Christ, by concern, and by courage. Commitment, concern, and courage. So let's see what that means. Those are just words to us at this point, but let's see what what they mean, not only in the context, but what they mean to us in our own lives. A servant is marked by commitment. Commitment. Verse 25 tells us this. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. He's saying, I thought it necessary to send to you Philippians Epaphroditus. I'm sending him back. He calls him my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who's also your messenger and minister to my need. Now, in context, in the previous verses, the verses just before this, Paul has told them of his intentions to send Timothy to them. He says, as soon as I learn how Rome decides on my legal problems, and you understand he's under house arrest because they considered him a, a criminal of the state because he was preaching the gospel. And Rome's got to decide whether this is a capital crime or whether Paul's not guilty. And at this point, Paul doesn't know. And so he said in verse 23, therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go for me. That is Timothy. When I hear when Rome tells me you're either a dead man or you're free to go, I'll send Timothy and let you know what's going on. In verse 24. He said, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming to you. So he said, I, I want to send Timothy. I'm going to send Timothy as soon as I learn. And uh, my desire, and if the Lord is willing, I'll be coming too. Now, that's where we left it last week. However, before Timothy arrives, Paul is first going to send Epaphroditus back to them at Philippi. In fact, Epaphroditus is probably, and I'm confident of this, that he is the one who is bringing this letter to the Philippians. They didn't, they didn't have a postal service where you just drop it in and it's gone. No, he's sending, he's writing this letter and he's sending Epaphroditus, one of the Philippian members, back to Philippi with the letter, but also he's a package too. You get, you get the picture. He's not just bringing the letter, he's bringing himself back. 
Now, before Paul explains why he is sending Epaphroditus, he first speaks of him in glowing terms. He calls him a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier. In his relationships with the Philippian church, he's a messenger and he's a minister to Paul's needs. So glowing terms, tremendous man. Now, there's one common denominator that all these terms have, and that is faithfulness, commitment, trustworthiness. They all imply proven reliability. He speaks in glowing terms because Epaphroditus had commitment to Christ. And the evidence of that is all of these words. For instance, he calls him my brother. My brother. He was a part of God's family, like Paul. They were brothers in the sense that they had both come to faith in Christ. And involved in that faith is submission to who Christ is, commitment to him. Because of their common faith and commitment to Jesus Christ, Paul says, he's my brother. He's my brother. So commitment there, even in salvation. He's also called not, not only a brother, he's more than a brother, he's a fellow worker. There are some people who are brethren who never do anything for the Lord. Paul said, not him, he's a fellow worker. He's a kingdom laborer like Paul. He didn't just have the attitude, you know, I'm saved and now I'm just going to relax and uh, not do anything. No, no, he was committed to work for the advance of God's kingdom on earth. He labored for the work of the gospel. He was concerned about getting the gospel out, about building the saints, about Whatever it took. He had a commitment to serve Christ. Commitment. But he's more than a brother and a fellow worker. Paul was a worker. He was a worker like Paul. Imagine to be called a fellow worker like the great apostle Paul. What a compliment. But he's more than that. He's called a fellow soldier. He's a committed warrior for the cause of Christ. The worker becomes the warrior. If you work for Christ, you're going to be in warfare, spiritual warfare. If you do anything for the kingdom of God's sake, you are going to be under attack by Satan. That's Ephesians chapter 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against satanic powers. Along with Paul, he was involved in standing firm for the gospel, even though it meant danger and persecution. And they were comrades in battle. Now, his faithfulness and commitment of character shows up not only in his relationship with Paul, but in his relationship with his own home church. He's called your messenger, Paul says. He's your messenger. This is the Greek word apostolos, from which we get our word apostle. Does this mean that he was an apostle? No, it does not in the sense that he was one of the 12 apostles. That's why I said he was not one of the 12. But think of the 12 with a, apostle with a capital A. They were the special representatives of Christ. However, in the Bible, there are others who are called apostles in the sense with a small a. They were specially sent ones from the church. They were messengers. That's really what apostle means. It means a, a representative, a messenger, an official representative. And he was, in, a, in, in this sense, an apostle being an official representative of the church at Philippi. By giving Paul uh, a love offering, these Philippians were sacrificing a lot, and they sent it with Epaphroditus. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3, Paul says they gave the Macedonian believers, which Philippi was in that, uh, that region called Macedon, Macedonia, named after uh, Alexander the Great's father, Philip of Macedon. I believe it would be the northern part of Greece today. And Paul says the Macedonian believers gave out of their poverty. It wasn't that they had uh, a surplus money and they said, hey, we don't know what mission board to send this to. Let's give it to Paul. No, it says that they gave out of their poverty. They were very poor. This was a great sacrifice. And the point that I want you to see is that if they entrusted it to Epaphroditus, then he was a man who was trustworthy. I mean, he could have taken off and said, I'll see you and gotten, gotten lost in Rome. But he didn't. 
They knew that he could be trusted. It indicates that he was a faithful member who was committed to his local church. They trusted him with a lot of money and money that was hard-earned and was really their very uh, deep sacrificial giving. Epaphroditus was just an ordinary guy who set an extraordinary example for us. In our next Verse by Verse, we will learn some more about this mysterious man, and then we will draw a couple of principles from what we know of him and apply them to our own situations. We're glad that you could join us today and hope you will be able to follow along throughout this series of lessons on church unity taken from Philippians chapter 2. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been serving since 1981 as the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. At our website, you will find today's broadcast as well as many previous ones. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the start of a three-part message. To hear the message in its entirety, you can order a CD by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. You are no doubt familiar with the farm illustration of commitment. The animals were planning a picnic, and the hen offered to bring eggs and suggested that the pig bring ham. She was offering a contribution and expecting major commitment from the pig. Well, how committed are you to the Lord Jesus Christ? When Pastor Steve continues this message, we will consider how Epaphroditus demonstrated commitment, and we will think about some ways we can do so as well. I hope to see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.